Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone. Great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. And uh, as promised, I want to share with you a little bit of uh, my conversation with Jim Bridenstine. Jim Bridenstine is the 13th administrator of NASA. He was uh, confirmed by the U.S. Senate and sworn in as the 13th administrator in uh, 2018, so nominated by President Trump. Uh, I got to know the administrator uh, when he was still in Congress. He was a congressman from Oklahoma and uh, just a great mind, uh, has a great background, military background, uh, flew E-2C Hawkeyes off the USS Abraham Lincoln aircraft character uh, carrier, and uh, just a, a great thinker, a great guy, and I think the perfect guy uh, to step into to NASA at a time when uh, interest has been waning a little bit over the last few years. Some people have wondered about the proper role of NASA and what that all means. Uh, so it was great to be able to uh, have this conversation with him. Uh, and so I, I asked uh, Mr. Bridenstine uh, that many people have said that, you know, NASA has lost the ability to capture the imagination of the American people. I think that's the big test. Uh, but I don't think there's anybody better equipped to reignite that vision and that imagination uh, than he is. Here's what he had to say. There have been some pretty, some pretty dark days at NASA going back about a decade. Um, we, we had a, a moment there where we retired the space shuttles, mm-hmm. and then we canceled the replacement to the space shuttle, the Constellation program, um, and there was just a lot of um, a lot of concern about what is the agency going to do, um, but we're we're bringing it back, and we've got some really big programs that uh, are very close to completion now. And I will tell you, with the president and the vice president giving us bigger budgets um, and bigger missions, uh, with bipartisan support in the House and the Senate. I think our future is very bright, and all of America will be very proud. Uh, that's uh, that's exciting to hear, and I and I want to dive into some of those programs and some of those initiatives uh, moving forward, and uh, and maybe start with uh, the uh, the Artemis uh, program. I think that's probably one that will uh, should capture capture the nation's attention. Tell us about that. Yeah, so um, we have a big agenda to go back to the moon. I like to say we're going to go forward to the moon. Mm. Uh, I say forward because we're going in a way that's never been done before. This time when we go to the moon, we're going sustainably. In other words, we're going to stay at the moon. Uh, We're going to learn how to live and work on another world for long periods of time, uh, and we're going to use the resources of the moon in order to live namely the water ice. When we think about the water ice, um, water ice represents water to drink, of course. It also represents air to breathe. Mm. And hydrogen and oxygen, is that's, that's rocket fuel. Hydrogen and oxygen is it's the same rocket fuel that powered the space shuttles. And it's available all over the south pole of the moon. We're talking about hundreds of millions of tons of water ice on the south pole of the moon. And, of course, that was just discovered in 2009. So really, you know, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, this major discovery was made. 
Um, and that should have instantaneously changed our, our, our space program. Um, we should have immediately said, okay, we're going to go back to the moon. We're going to learn how to use the, the resources of the moon in order to live and work for long periods of time. And we're going to take that knowledge, um, we're going to take that knowledge to, the, to Mars. Um, and that's really what the Artemis program is all about. It's about a sustainable return to the moon. Um, and then we're going to take that knowledge and go to Mars. The, the thing that's also important to remember is Artemis, in Greek mythology, is the twin sister of Apollo. Mm. And we, we, love, we love the Apollo program. Um, but remember, in the Apollo days, all of our astronauts came from fighter pilot backgrounds and test pilot backgrounds. And in those days, there were no opportunities for women. Well, now we have this very diverse, highly qualified astronaut corps that includes women, and we're going to go to the moon sustainably um, with this very diverse astronaut corps under the name of Apollo's twin sister. Her name is Artemis, and she was, in fact, the goddess of the moon. Oh. So I think it's really an amazing story to, to, to share. Um, you know, America has changed, and, and the space program has changed. And I think it's a good story that that uh, America can be proud of. Yeah, that that is one that I I think the American people could get behind, uh, especially uh, in a year like this where we're celebrating women's suffrage and uh, a host of other firsts yeah. and uh, a lot of great uh, advancements there as well. Uh, so as as you look at that Artemis program, you you mentioned that it would be really the the place where you would be sustainable and then be able to use that to uh, to parlay our way uh, to Mars. Tell us a little bit more about that. So what we need to do is we need to learn how to live and work on another world for long periods of time. The, the challenge with Mars is that um, Mars and Earth are on the same side of the sun once every 26 months. So when you go to Mars, you have to be willing to stay for a couple of years. Uh, we're not talking about a couple of days. You have to go for a couple of years, which means we have to use the resources of Mars to live and work for long periods of time. Well, the glory of the moon is that it's always a three-day journey home. Um, and so we can go to the moon, we can learn how to live and work on another world, um, we can prove the capabilities, build the technologies, utilize the water ice, as well as the regoliths and other minerals there on the, on the surface of the moon. Um, and, then, and then we know that if something goes wrong, we can always make it home, which, of course, we proved that on Apollo 13, for example. Something right. went terribly wrong on the way to the moon, and our brave astronauts were able to make it home. Uh, that's why the moon is so valuable. Um, if, if, if we were to learn everything for the first time on Mars, uh, it, 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 the probability of success would go down. And so the moon really represents the best course for us to learn what is necessary to go to Mars. Yeah. So around the moon, we're going to have in orbit what we call the gateway. The gateway is a space station in orbit around the moon, and we're already under contract to build the first elements of the gateway. And that gateway in orbit around the moon is going to give us access to the surface of the moon. It's maneuverable. It has solar electric propulsion, so it can go it can make sure we can get to all parts of the moon. You know, we learned in 2009 that there's hundreds of millions of tons of water ice on the south pole of the moon. 
what's interesting is how come we how come we didn't know that from 1969 all the way up until 2009 for 40 years we missed the fact that there was water ice in hundreds of millions of tons probably a lot more on the south pole of the moon um, well, we missed it because we landed at the equatorial region six times with humans. We had 12 humans that landed on the moon six times, but they were all in the equatorial regions where there, where there is no water ice. Um, well, what the gateway enables us to do is because it's maneuverable, it can go, it can go to all the different orbits around the moon and it can get us access to, it can get us access to the North Pole and the South Pole. Um, and we can go to where the resources are, and we can learn how to use those resources. Well, that same gateway is also uh, evolvable. So it can, it can be evolved to be the, uh, the deep space transport that takes our first astronauts to Mars, for mm-hmm. example. So, um, so it gives us, it gives us um, capability and flexibility. So at first, it's going to be all about getting us access to the moon and being a command module for moon activities. But eventually, it's going to take us all the way to Mars. All right. That's my uh, conversation with the head of NASA, Jim Bridenstein. And uh, we'll continue this conversation uh, after we take a quick uh, bottom of the hour news. I want to know your thoughts about the NASA program and where it goes next. And you can do that on our uh, KSL News Radio or Utah Community Credit Union text line 57500. Again, 57500. Weigh in. And of course, let us know how, how the weather's going in your neck of the woods today as well. All right. We'll go ahead and we will step aside for bottom of the hour news. And then, as I mentioned, we will continue my conversation conversation interview with Jim Bridenstine, head of NASA, right here on Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources. Great to be with you today. As always, I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. And uh, special thanks to all the team here at KSL News Radio, Ricky Meese in particular, for getting us through uh, a really crazy weather and traffic day uh, here in the state of Utah. And as always, be safe out there. If you can give us an update uh, only when it's safe, you can do that on the Utah Community Credit Union text line, 57500. Uh, weigh in only when it's safe, safety first. And now we're going to continue uh, my conversation uh, with NASA Administrator, Head of NASA, Jim Bridenstein, in just a moment. Uh, a quick update from the floor of the United States Senate. There in the well of the Senate, uh, President Trump's defense team continues to make their closing arguments. Remember, each side was given two hours uh, to make their closing arguments today. Uh, the House managers took about 57 minutes this morning, reserving the remainder of their time. So they will get the last word for sure. Be interesting to see how much of that they use. Uh, and then it will also be interesting to see how much uh, the president's uh, team uses. They're about uh, 38 minutes into to, uh, their closing arguments. Uh, and then you need to remember this. Uh, we've got uh, 1,000 minutes 
uh, where each senator is going to be allotted 10 minutes uh, between later today and about 4.30 on Wednesday when the trial will wrap up and the final vote will be taken. Uh, So each senator is going to get 10 minutes. Uh, We know that Senator Lee will be uh, making his remarks uh, tomorrow between 11 and 11.20. And so we'll we'll capture that and uh, follow that along. We're not sure what uh, slot they've uh, put uh, Senator Romney in just yet, but we'll uh, get to that as well. Uh, so a lot still to come in terms of the impeachment trial as it comes down the home stretch. And final vote uh, should be at about 4.30 p.m. Eastern time, uh, 2.30 here locally on Wednesday. In between that, we'll have the Iowa caucuses. We'll have the State of the Union address tomorrow, wall-to-wall coverage of that. And so stay with us here on KSL News Radio. All right, we're going to jump back now to my conversation with the head of NASA, Jim Bridenstine. Uh, and I asked Jim, how do how do we continue to sustain NASA? What is the proper role? Because many people have questions. What's the proper role of the federal government uh, and the international community? And how does that relate to the future of NASA? It's another way that, that this time when we go to the moon, it's entirely different than we've ever done before. Um, we do have a very robust commercial marketplace. Um, you know, people who listen to this maybe um, on on the internet or however they listen to it, maybe they they have their internet from internet broadband from space, or maybe people have Direct TV or Dish Network or XM Radio. There's all these space-based communication capabilities um, that are transformational and 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 remote sensing capabilities. Um, that, that are transformational. But here's the point. The point is there is a very healthy and robust commercial marketplace for activities in space. And so NASA has made a decision that instead of us purchasing, owning, and operating all of the hardware to get, to get things to space, what if, we, what if we buy the services from this very robust commercial marketplace? Mm-hmm. So it goes from NASA we're going from NASA purchasing, owning, and operating the hardware to NASA becoming a customer, one customer of many customers. And when we do that, we've been doing it, for example, to resupply the International Space Station. Right. When we resupply the International Space Station, we buy a service. We don't purchase, own, and operate our own rockets. Um, and, and, and it has been very successful. We've been very successful at driving down costs, and which, of course, increases access. Um, and, and we're doing that now. In fact, this year, this is a big deal. This year, we're going to launch American astronauts on American rockets from American soil. Mm. And we're doing it with a program that we call Commercial Crew. So we're, we are going to launch on, in this case, we've got two providers. One is SpaceX with the Dragon crew capsule, and the other is Boeing with what's called the Starliner crew capsule, and we're buying services from these two countries to get our astronauts back and forth to the International Space Station. The idea being that we want to be one customer of many customers. We're hoping that there is a very robust commercial marketplace that includes humans flying into space. Um, and there's a lot of, lot of reasons to have humans in space. I can get into those in a few minutes. Um, but when we think about commercial resupply of the International Space Station, commercial crew to the International Space Station, and now we're, we're, we're going to start building commercial space stations that will eventually be the replacements for the International Space Station. So there's a, there's a robust commercial marketplace where NASA can be a customer, and we can be one of many customers, and we can have 
numerous providers that are competing against each other on cost and innovation. Mm. The goal being that we need to drive down costs. Right. Um, so we're doing that already in low Earth orbit. Now what we need to do is we need to take that model all the way to the moon. So when we buy the lander that takes our astronauts to the surface of the moon, that lander is going to be a commercial lander, and we want to buy the service. Now, make no mistake, we're going to invest a lot in developing that capability. So sure. it is a public-private partnership. But we want to have numerous providers that are competing against each other, driving down costs. Um, but we want to do it as a service, and then, again, we can be one customer of many with numerous providers that are driving down costs. Oh, that's excellent. Uh, so I want to drill down. Uh, you mentioned uh, getting more uh, humans into space, uh, and I want you to, to attack that kind of in uh, two tiers. One, obviously, is uh, is just the regular consumer, uh, the individuals out there, but then also as it relates to uh, Space Force and what that means from a military perspective as well. Yeah, so when we think about technologies that we're proving right now on the International Space Station, um, we are proving that uh, on the International Space Station, for example, we can, we can compound pharmaceuticals in orbit around the Earth in a way that cannot be done in the gravity well of Earth. Mm. Um, we're proving that we can create immunization that cannot be created in the gravity well of Earth. We are proving that we can, in fact, print in 3Ds, 3D printing of human organs on the International Space Station using adult stem cells so when we use adult stem cells to um to print human organs in 3d what that means is that's going to have all of these technologies have amazing breakthrough capabilities for human life here on earth right um and that of course the, the goal being that that will drive investment private capital into the market to do more activities in space in space than ever before um so we're using the International Space Station right now to create those markets. Um, but also, uh, we think about people who have macular degeneration and they lose their eyesight. We're proving that we can create artificial retinas for the human eyeball in space in a way that you cannot create them on Earth, so that people who have macular degeneration don't have to lose their eyesight. Um, and there's advanced materials like fiber optic networks that can be created so pristinely in space that you don't have to have repeaters. And, of course, that drives down the cost of lay, laying fiber optic cables throughout, you know, cities. So there's, well, there's advanced manufacturing. There's industrialized biomedicine. There's all of these different capabilities that are being developed that can only be done in a zero-gravity environment. They cannot be done on Earth. And once these capabilities are proven, uh, the goal would be we would see lots of investment in space. Now, to your question about the Space Force, remember why we have a Navy. We have a Navy because there is commerce on the high seas. And without a Navy, that commerce is vulnerable. And, we've, and that's, that's, that is precisely why the United States of America is powerful, because we have an amazing uh, economy with amazing free market enterprise, and then we also have the strength to back it up. Um, the challenge with space is, as you can imagine, we're already seeing, you know, it's already a $400 billion market for commercial activities in space, and it's soon becoming a trillion-dollar market. Um, and there are nations out there like China who have called space the American Achilles heel because of how dependent we are on space. Mm. We think about the GPS constellation for navigation. 
Right. It, it also is used for regulating flows of electricity on the power grid and regulating flows of data on wireless networks like the cell phone I'm speaking on right now. It's also used for every banking transaction. A GPS timing signal is necessary. Without GPS, there is no banking. So we are dependent on space in a way that most Americans do not understand. And we want to grow this economy in space. Um, and remember, the economy is on Earth. The activities are in space. Um, but we want to grow it. And in order to grow it, um, countries around the world who believe they can bring America to its knees by destroying space, they need to understand that we are not, we are not going to let anybody get an advantage over the United States by threatening space. Now, NASA does not do Space Force. We are not, we are not a, a defense organization. Right. NASA is a science and discovery organization, but I'll tell you, uh, we are developing an economy, and that economy um, is is put in, in jeopardy if we don't have security in space. And that's what the Space Force is all about. All right, that's my uh, interview with Jim Bridenstine, the head of NASA. Some fascinating stuff. If you happen to miss either of those uh, segments, make sure you go pick up the uh, podcast on ksl.com uh, or, of course, on the uh, KSL News Radio app. All right, we're going to step aside for a final break. When we come back, I want to talk to you about how two people can show character and courage and be at opposite sides of the same issue. Stay with us. We'll be right back.